Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're talking with Trish Hammond. Trish Hammond is the CEO of Plastic Surgery Hub, a platform where she helps thousands of men and women that want to improve their bodies, find the best surgeons available for their cosmetic or plastic surgery needs, and is one of the largest directories for plastic and cosmetic surgeons in Australia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. So to start off, I want to give uh, our audience some context as to who you are, what you do, and, and sort of a bit as to lead them into why I got you on the show. So tell us about how you got into to what you're doing now and also give us a, a bit of a background on what you do. Yeah, sure. So how I got into what I did now is, is about um, seven years ago, actually probably longer than that, about 10 years ago, well, I'd lost all this weight over years. I'd been big all my life, lost weight. Mm. And that in itself brings its own set of problems. Like you have excess skin, if you had like massive breasts, which I absolutely hated all my life. And um, of course, when I lost weight, I decided to have a breast reduction and lift. And so I had that surgery and the surgery went well. However, my recovery was quite horrendous. Like I started double dosing on the endones. I got, you know, I just was really depressed. And, you know, where you're supposed to feel better after a surgery, I felt worse. And while I was, you know, on Dr. Google trying to find out, you know, what's going on, everything that came up was a doctor's website. And I thought, I don't want to speak to a doctor. I don't want to speak to a nurse. I want to speak to someone who is actually going through what I'm going through or been through what I'm going through. So I wanted to connect with someone like me, a patient. Mm. And then I thought there really needs to be a gap. You know, there's a gap in the market here to facilitate the conversation for people to speak to each other. And that's how Plastic Surgery Hub started. And I realized very early on the piece that, um, oh, you need to actually get income from a website to be able to run a website so it kind of evolved from there into a directory model and and now we're um we've evolved still we keep evolving as we go so we're a community now as well on, on facebook so we kind of have the information on the website and then a community a closed community on facebook where people can speak to each other yeah okay so give us some context then uh, and, and numbers around how many practitioners do you have involved what kind of traffic you get to give us some context of, of what you're doing as far as on website because it comes from all different channels so we, we run a podcast called transforming bodies where i interview people i think we've got about uh, maybe seventy thousand subscribers on that although it's hard to give your yeah, numbers yeah. on podcasts mm. as you know because they're everywhere on our website which is kind of just the window for everything we do i, I think we probably get about thirty-five thousand unique visitors every month on our closed facebook group we have 10,000 that's a women's only group for the simple reason that they're putting up you know their breasts and everywhere else so I think it's more comfortable for women just well they are more comfortable just for it to be women so it's just a women's only group and then we have our um Instagram we have our Pinterest I don't know why but Pinterest is huge we get 60 over 60,000 unique impressions or not impressions i don't know whatever it is the last time yeah. i looked at the stats which is about 2 months ago it's over 60,000 so Pinterest it's quite amazing even though i don't do anything with it and that's probably about the stats you know the usual yeah. instagram we did have a facebook page which got closed down by facebook because we shared one too many sets of nipples and they yeah. don't like nipples unless they're in a baby's gob so um yeah i've lost that um page but that's okay it is what so, it is so did you start at zero or did you yes. have a semi-following no okay no, and how it's, long been, it been? it's been seven years it's been yeah. seven years yeah. Having said that, the initial period was, you know, I think we got, we jumped up quite quickly because, you know, we put all this stuff in place and then you kind of get to the point in your business where you just kind of cruise along and it ticks, ticks, yeah. ticks, ticks, ticks. And, and then of course, 
as you know, Google made a bunch of changes in, um, was it last year or the year before? I think I've lost a year because of COVID, but I think it was the year, it could have been last year. <laughs> they made a bunch of changes. So anyone who had any medical style website just lost a whole bunch of you know traffic. So mm. not that we've been scratching our way back, but we've been, we're not just posting content for the sake of content anymore. We're doing less content and better content. Are you finding that that gets more engagement? Yeah, well, it's really funny because we don't get much engagement on our blog. Like people don't necessarily want to go on a blog and and you know, they'll look at it, but they won't go make comments or anything like that. I think people like to kind of remain, you know, in a blog situation or ours anyway, they like to stay in the background. So we don't get many people commenting on mm. the blog, but when we actually go through and look at the traffic that people are looking at, you know, that's a different story and we have quite a good um, bounce rate. So, you know, people are staying on and, and, you know, and reading what we have to offer. Yeah. But um, yeah, as far as commenting, not much, but then wherever we share it, it just, yeah, it kind of depends what we're sharing where. So it depends. Mm. People like funny stuff on social. I think social is all about being entertained these days. Yeah, I think that what this comes down to and the, and the point, I think that, that I want to make with is like with content, you can't just post random crap anymore. It needs to be stuff that engages people, but engagement isn't just, am I getting likes and comments and shares? It's, it's, am I actually using the information and am I going deeper with it? And so for example, a lot of my content doesn't get a lot of likes and comments and shares because it, it's not designed that way. It's designed for people to take action on and get insight from. And so especially depending on the topic, like some topics are exciting. Some topics are, are easy. People want to talk about them. Other topics, not so much. This can be a topic where people are uncomfortable with publicly engaging with it because that implies certain things about them or what they may or may not be doing. And so when we're just looking for those vanity metrics it can be a scary way of measuring success because you know uh, something about a new keto diet fad thing right for a nutritionist might blow up but not lead to any sales and then something a bit more serious sexual dysfunction or stress anxiety depression as an example right surgery cosmetic especially people don't necessarily want to vocalize that unless they're within this feeling of a safe community and so with blogging you're going to get a lot of engagement in the sense of people staying on page reading it, doing stuff, but not necessarily commenting, liking, et cetera, because it's more open feeling, I'm vulnerable. Whereas I feel like in a lot of strategies that we've been pivoting towards, and, uh, and I interviewed Maggie Yu recently, uh, functional medicine uh, MD, who has 30,000 people in a Facebook group, is groups and communities. And you'll probably find that too. In the groups, there's heaps of conversation. There's a lot of back and forth because there's the safety. We're in a, a group of people surrounded by like-minded people. We're there for the same reasons. And if you moderate it effectively, it means that the dickheads leave, the scammers and spammers leave, and it's just good people in there stimulating conversation. And so I think it comes back to, especially with social, it's like, what am I trying to get out of this for the client? What am I trying to get out of it for me? And for us, obviously, it's how do we get people out of social into our clinics or into our programs, et cetera. And for them, it's how do we get them to get connected to that information and then ultimately build communities around it so they can self-engage because then it becomes a snowball. How many, sorry, how do many people in your group you said? We have a few groups, but on, on the main one or the one that's the most popular, we have um, oh, about 10,100 or something like that. Yeah. And that was, yeah, started from, from scratch. And I don't just moderate that group of my own because it, it's almost impossible to manage yeah. a group like that on your own. I have an amazing band of women who who support, have the same belief system. Having said that, sometimes we don't necessarily agree on things that might be approved mm. or changed in the group. So it's a very, um, it can take up a lot of time. Like a group is 
can be all encompassing. It can be really emotional. Like it, it, you know, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to start a group and it's going to be great. It's not like that at all. Like it can Mm. seriously take over your life. And, and in all honesty, you make no money from your group. Well, actually I should probably make money from my group, but my group is not a monetized group. Mine is purely Mm. information group. That's not to say that I probably down the track, I may be able to offer them products that they can buy. Um, and they do know that I have, you know, most know that I have a shop, but, um, yeah, groups are, are going to suck the life out of you. But then by the same token, they can give you so much reward. And you know what it's like, you post something on Facebook and you'd be lucky if you, well, these days, on the new Facebook page I started, I think we've got about 300 followers compared to 15,000 that we had on the old one. We get more, you know, views, more people mm. that more people that Facebook shows it to on the page of 200 odd people than we did on the 15,000. So it's almost like a ratio thing. I don't know what the algorithm is, but um, Mm. more people will see our small thing. But even then, you know, it's so minute that um, you really need that backup of a a group or or something, a community that people are going to go to because even, but you still need your page because people will actually look at your page, even they may not follow Mm. it, they may not engage with it. They kind of, like I know myself, if I look at a business, the first place I'm going to go is to my Instagram, then I'm going to go to their Facebook, and then I might go to their website. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so I do it in that yeah. order, and I think that's happening a lot these days as well. Uh, what I what I get practitioners to focus on is, is your website is the brochure at the end where you can just look at some stuff, but it's your social that people get a sense of who you are and what you're about. Your Facebook page is, is just a billboard, like you post on it, but the reach is so low because Facebook wants you to run ads. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the two things that Facebook focuses on is community groups and ads. Ads because it's revenue and community groups because that's the point of Facebook is community. And when, you know, blogging and Facebook pages and things like that are more dead for engagement because there isn't a sense of community. It's very one-sided and you're not expecting people to reply. With groups, the key to having success with a group is having a process of qualification coming in and opening dialogue to get people who are ready now to take action and everyone else to point them towards resources, which re-engage them back into conversation to get them out of the group. And so when you have the right process in place, it becomes very simple for they're coming in, they're directed, then you've got the regular content, which pushes further engagement for them to raise their hand and say, I'm ready, and then take action to come back out of the group into the paying group. But you're right, if you just have a big group and it's a big community group and it's for sharing but there isn't a direction with it it can be definitely be very overwhelming my advice for anyone starting a group is have an outcome in mind like what's the point of the group Uh, and the way we do it is the point of your group is an exclusive area for content and trainings to warm these people up for you it's to warm them up for them it's to give them massive amounts of value and it's unique like a podcast shouldn't be the same content that's on your YouTube. It's the same content that's on your, you know what I mean? It's boring. It needs to be separate for there to be a reason for people to go there. And groups are an amazing opportunity for that because now you've got people like an email list, except it's back and forth and they can watch passively and engage passively. And then when they're ready, put their hand up. Whereas email is very one-sided, blogs very one-sided. Mark Zuckerberg came out and said that he's pushing more towards groups because uh, that's where the engagement is. And ultimately, to keep people on Facebook, they need to have a good experience. And so what Facebook cares about is that you are looking after your audience, which is Facebook's audience, because mm-hmm. Facebook's a platform. And if people don't have a good time, they're going to leave. And then Facebook's got no one to advertise to. So the monetization for Facebook is through ads, which means engaging with content and being present and logging into Facebook a lot. And so groups are a big central point for that. But yeah, you're right. If you have a massive group uh, and there's no 
processes necessarily for that in and out fashion to it you can end up posting all kinds of stuff getting lots of comments people posting random things uh, but it's not directed well and with ten thousand, that's a decent number you can you can definitely monetize that but uh, yeah you'll need moderators uh, for mm. something like that mm. how did you how did you get started with all of that how are you growing your group I've got a couple of other groups and it just happens that this happens to be the one that's propelled. Like um, Facebook did actually close one of my groups um, at about 2,000 people once again for the nipple thing, which I had no control of because I don't actually really post much in my group. I, I kind of let mm. the conversation happen with, you know, because it's patients. I'd rather them speak to each other. I don't want to tell them who to go to, but if I can actually relay my experience within, you know, if they've got a question, I think, oh, yeah, I can help with that. Well, then, of course, I'm going to answer it. But um, what was your question? How are you growing your groups and how did you get started with that? Is it mainly organic? Are you running ads? What sort of things are you doing? Okay, I've never run an ad because it's not a monetized group, so I wouldn't bother doing an ad. But I just basically got started with, you know, one person, two people, three people, and it just started like that. And as the group got bigger to join, you have to answer certain questions and we have a whole bunch of rules that you have to follow. Mm. So sometimes people will get you know, booted out of the group for the simple reason that, that, you know, they aren't treating people with respect, you know, they're putting photos up, you know, with nipples and, 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 you know, so sometimes we do have to come down with a stick if you like, but the thing is that's how group we've got to protect it because Facebook can shut it anytime they want. Yeah. So it's only temporary as long as Facebook want us to have it. So yeah, you're right. It is something that you, we need to get people over into another list for sure. Yeah. With the health businesses that you work with, you work a lot with plastic surgeons and cosmetic surgeons and things like that, right? What have you found to be effective for them in generating interest in what they do? Because it can seem a bit, it's like anything, right? It's a bit dime a dozen. How do we stand out? How do we show the uniqueness of us? And I think that the with the plastic surgeons and cosmetic surgeons and things that I work with, I always say the same thing, that this is an art. And so a person is wanting to connect with you, not because you can do a procedure, but because they like the way the people look from the work that you've done. Dentistry is very similar as well when you're dealing with those things. It's like, how do we get people to be aware of us? That's why there's famous plastic surgeons, especially in the States, because people are connected to this idea of beauty. There is the art aspect to it. Um, so what are you finding being the most effective at the moment for their clients? Well, what I've found at the moment is people want to see other people having either what they've want done or they want to see other people's results from a, you know, a practitioner that they might be looking to go to. So honestly, like I believe at the moment, it's all about the before and afters, the, you know, the questions or the things that people put on their socials. And like, even just yesterday, one a lady that I was talking to, she said, Oh, I'm really going to go and see Dr. X because she really knows what she's doing. I just saw her post about this. So, so people, although they may not be engaging, they're really paying attention to what people are saying and, and they want to know that they, you know, quote, know their stuff. Oh, you know, she really knows mm. her stuff because she said this. So, you know, that a lot of, Know, patient stories which we're not allowed to put up because of APRA but you can speak with other patients in a group a lot of you know like oh my god that's exactly what my boobs like and that's exactly what I want so people will kind of you know it's all about the pictures these days like it really is yeah. about the pictures and, and a big reason for that is the average person doesn't have the ability to process the information to know what is going to be the right decision for them from an objective standpoint, right? Like they don't have the knowledge or training or skill to understand. So what they're looking for is what is going to make me feel comfortable 
to give up control that this person can help me and I feel good with my decision because buyer remorse is real and people don't like making bad decisions more than they like making good decisions. So what I mean by that is people will actively not make a decision to avoid the possibility of having made a bad decision than the reward of having made a good decision from it, right? I won't do anything as if that's the best way in so that something bad doesn't happen versus I'll do it anyway in case something good happens. And so especially with this sort of thing, there's, there's high perceived risk, there's stress associated with it, there's potential judgment associated with it. I think that, that showing that you know, they know their stuff comes down to being able to connect with that person at an emotional level about what they're looking for and showing them that you have the skill to produce the outcomes they want. It's not about how you do your cuts or, or as an ignorant example, right? how you, what angle you, blah, blah, blah. It's about how that person on the other side is looking at you going, yep, they know their stuff. That's why you've got the famous plastic surgeons that people will just go to, but objectively might not be the best in the world. The example of this is experts versus authorities. There's plenty of broke experts, people who are objectively the best, but no one knows they exist. No one cares. No one wants to see them because they're not a perceived authority. The authority is the person who people know, like, and trust, not necessarily objectively the best person because there's a minimum standard. And of course, you know, you can't last long at the top if you're crap. So there's a perceived level of skill, but it's very granular between like 80% good, 85 and 90. And to get to that 90, you have to sacrifice energy in, in pursuit of excellence, which isn't necessarily a good driving factor for your business. And we get this a lot. A lot of clients have you know, the entire alphabet after their name and their practice isn't working. It's like they're the best at what they do and they keep telling me that. I'm like, yeah, but no one cares. All people care about is that can you help them, not are you objectively the best in what training you have, et cetera. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, that happens a lot in the medical world too. Mm. You know, like the fact that people yeah. think, oh, okay, you've got all those qualifications, they're going to be the best. But um, if they don't have that aesthetic eye or that aesthetic hand or, or the good bedside manner or whatever, you know, they're probably number one, not going to get the work. Number two, if they do get the work, they're not going to get a great reputation. And I do see that happen quite a lot as well. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you run a, a large directory and obviously practitioners put their information on there to get access to your viewership. And then you stimulate your viewership through blogs and social media and things like that. Is that correct? Yeah, we kind of, we see it more as, you know, like I know this sounds like a really bad business practice, but our job is just to provide information. Like, honestly, we don't care who you go to. It's just the fact that we really want people to go to someone who's properly qualified to do what it is that they want to have done, if yeah. that makes any sense. And and actually on your point before, I meant to say as well, sometimes people think, oh, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I need. But once that conversation starts with them, they can actually very soon realise either by going to the right doctor or whatever that that's maybe what you think you need because that's what you saw. But once you hook up with the right doctor that you know is going to take you through that journey they may decide to do something completely different to what you wanted but that's that could be the right thing for you mm. you know yeah. or by the same token you might think no nah, that's actually not what i want i'm gonna go somewhere else so yeah it's just it's it's such a personal thing yeah yeah definitely mm. definitely where are you typically getting what's influencing you in, in growing what you're doing who are you listening to who are you reading where are you getting a lot of your information from well Instagram. <laughs> Instagram is my, you know, go-to. Well, you know, it's really funny because I actually have this one really close friend who, who I believe is a visionary. 
I've been friends with her for nearly 20 odd years and she's come back from the brink to excel in life. And she is kind of my inspiration to keep going every day. And I'm talking aesthetically, if you know what I mean, because some days you do, you're like, oh my God, this is an uphill fight, you know, trying to make yourself look good, trying to, you know, work out what the best procedure is. But um, I take inspiration for her, but also being in a group with so many women, like the amount of stories that I get from women who we've helped just by being on the group, the fact that like, oh, I would never have known. And just seeing someone put a question up there that I know that I've had that question 10 years ago and seeing a question go up there, you know, like that's the kind of thing that keeps me going all the time. Because honestly, it's the first thing I do in the morning. It's the last thing I do at night is go through the group and just have a look, you know, who's put what. And I don't, I don't do it you know, for hours and hours, but it's, it's the first thing I do when I open my eyes and it's the last thing I do when I go to bed at night. So it's kind of, it's in my heart as well. So mm-hmm. I think the average everyday person is what actually keeps me, me going. And just knowing that you've helped one person, I had a lady send me a photo. She'd gone from a 12 double G breast to a 12 double D breast. She always wanted to have a breast reduction. She just kind of randomly came into my DMs through a business group actually. And I just said, well, just jump on over in the group and, you know, talk to the other girls. And she keeps sending me photos. And and honestly, like her confidence level is through the roof. Her life has totally changed. Her business has improved just because mm-hmm. of the way she feels about herself. And, and, you know, that's the thing that makes me really happy because I, I know what that feels like. Yeah. Having said that, I'm probably never going to be, you know, there's always going to be something that I'm going to want to make myself matter. You know, it's like, oh, I need this, I need that, you know, so. Yeah. What do you think a unique skill has been that's helped you uh, have success? Uh, I think the fact that this whole business came from, like I never, ever thought about making money when I started it because honestly, if it was just about that, I would have quit ages ago because it's actually cost us an absolute fortune to set up the business. But I think the real thing that's made me successful is the fact that it's genuine. It it wasn't set up as a business to make money. It wasn't set up by someone who thought, oh, this is a really good idea. It was actually set up by myself who was actually in the middle of, you know, having a bad experience and and it comes from a genuine place. And I think what what happens is because people think, oh, yeah, plastic surgery, there's so much money in it and stuff like that. Well, that's not necessarily true. Maybe it is for some people, but it doesn't mean just because that's your industry that you're going to, you know, make money from it. So I, I think it's just the fact I've been successful is, is because I've been real. Yeah. Authentic, genuine, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't like using that word authentic too much, but yeah, it, it's my story and I've just been sharing it, I guess. Yeah, it's amazing. What's a, um, a common myth you come up against in relation to maybe plastic surgery that annoys you? Oh, I think the biggest myth that really pisses me off is when people think that people that have plastic surgery are vain, they just care about the way they look. It's not like that at all. Like you would be surprised at the people that have plastic surgery. Like for example, one in four people apparently in Australia have their eyelids operated on because they've got excess skin. And that's not because they're vain. It's because they can't see because <laughs> the skin has grown over so much that they actually can't see. And, and I know this to be true because my husband's vision has changed because you think about it, you know, hold your eyelids and just like, like push them down and you'll see you lose part of your vision. So, mm. you know, it, it's functional. Like it's not just about vanity. Yeah, sure. Sometimes it is. And, and, you know, a lot of times it probably is, but that's not, that's not all plastic surgery. People hear plastic surgery like, oh God, plastic surgery, but it's not like that. Like some people have suffered for years, whether it's emotionally or physically because of something that can be fixed with, you know, a plastic surgery or reconstructive procedure. I I hear from people all the time saying, oh, I never would have thought that I would have had plastic surgery in my whole life. 
you know, but yeah, you know, and they have because, and it's made their life better. Yeah. Are there any good, really, really good business resources that you've been exposed to recently that you think our, our audience would love? Yes, actually, I, I have got like a list of about 50 things that you've got to have, but um, probably one of my favourites that I'm using at the moment, what would it be? I, I'm really into all the little apps at the moment and the Chrome extensions, so I'm loving, I'm using a lot of Chrome extensions to um, check out other people's websites, seeing what colours that they're using, seeing what they're doing. Probably Canva is one of my favourite things and I think everyone who's in business for themselves, whether you have someone doing your graphic design or whatever, I think everybody needs to have a Canva account just so you can do some stuff in-house. That's probably one of my favourites at the moment. And also I'm really loving Shopify. Like people think automatically when you have a blog, you've got to go and do a WordPress website or whatever. But at the moment I'm loving Shopify and I'm actually looking at converting everything over to you know, I already do have a Shopify, but I'm probably going to get another Shopify for um, the consulting business, you know, like the social mm. media, because you can do a blog on that anyway. So yeah, off the top of my head, I have got seriously got a book with, you know, at least 50 in there that I keep adding to. Last question. You got 60 seconds. What's one thing that you think health professionals can implement this week to help them reach and impact more people and grow their businesses? Well, I think one of the immediate things that everyone needs to do is to actually if you're not doing it at the moment already every week you should be sitting down once a week and and this comes from a sales background you should be sitting down with your you know complete team once a week and actually plan out what what you want to do moving forward so i see so many people that don't have a plan moving forward so it's really hard to know where you're going if you don't know where, where you're actually going so i think if you can implement even if it's just a 15 minute meeting once a week with all of your staff, which everyone probably does, but with all of your staff to actually work out where you're going. And actually, I'm going to add one more thing. The other thing that I think is really important, I do a lot of mystery shopping in my business. You wouldn't believe how many times people answer the phone and they're in absolute hurry because the clinic is so busy and all they want to do is get that person off the phone. And really, that person is a lead. So I think if you just need to change your staff's mindset to think that's not a phone call, that's actually a lead that we need to convert. So I think mm. if, um, that could actually be the number one takeaway, yeah, I think. 100%. It's not a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can our audience oh. connect with you online? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Email me to uh, trish at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or otherwise on any of the social platforms, which is the Aesthetic Hub on Facebook or Plastic Surgery Hub on Instagram. Always hanging out there. Amazing. I'll make sure that those are in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business. So I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing and sales all on your own, and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources and coaching available only for listeners of the show. 
Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice just like I did, but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business and I wanna share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.